Good morning. Welcome to Village Bible Church. You can pull out your worship folder. have some notes in there for you today. My name is Pastor AJ. I'm one of the pastors here. I work primarily with high school and children's ministry. And today I get to be with you. And so that's fun. The what? Kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. People are the same. I mean, that's actually what you learn eventually. People are the same. Just younger. We're in the book of Habakkuk today. Habakkuk. Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. If you don't have a Bible or an app, there's a, a table of Bibles right over there. You can grab a Bible from that table. Uh, and then there's extra worship folders there too if you want to grab the notes to follow along. Thank you those joining us on the live stream uh, who can't be with us in person today. It's good to worship still with you through this medium. We're in the book of Habakkuk. I just finished a, a series on the minor prophets with the young adult, uh, with the youth. Uh, and uh, we went through the entire corpus of the minor prophets. From, we went from Hosea all the way through Malachi uh, and, and just talked about how God is faithful with his people despite their unfaithfulness, how he uh, is patient with his people, but how he's still a just God who visits iniquity and visits sin. Uh, and that's a little tiny bit of the background we need for today because we have not been in the Minor Prophets. Uh, we haven't been in a series on this uh, group of books, but hopefully I can give you enough that will keep you up to speed with us as we go through this. There is a, a constant in the covenants that when the people of Israel disobey, God says in Deuteronomy they will be cursed. Disobedience results in curse for the people of God in the Old Testament. And when they obey, that results in blessing. And so the people, when they uh, make these steps that are intentional toward God, God blesses them through this Mosaic covenant. However, God has reminded them time and time again that he is a God who is faithful. Through the Abrahamic covenant, he, he promised that he would be faithful to his people. So this book has a little bit of that background in it. Uh, we're going to place this book right around 626 to 605 before Christ. 626 to 605 before Christ. It's written by the prophet Habakkuk, and it's written during the reign of Josiah. You'll see there on the first page of your notes, that's that first uh, bullet point, is that Josiah is the king during Habakkuk's time. And we can see that he reigns from 640 uh, to 628 B.C. Um, uh, during that time, Jos Josiah is the king. Uh, and uh, you can find him there in 2 Kings 21 through 23. Uh, the book is focused on the prophet Habakkuk specifically, and you can think of uh, another minor prophet that might be focused specifically on a prophet's interactions with God, and that prophet is Jonah. Prophet is Jonah, and so there's natural correlations and connections here between Habakkuk and Jonah, and I've laid some of those out just so we could see uh, some of how Jonah did it horribly and some of how Habakkuk did it wonderfully. Uh, and, and look at those different connections uh, through those prophets. Habakkuk decries the Israelite nation. He is so distraught with the people of Israel constantly being in sin and turning their backs on not only the covenant, but on their God who was faithful, who led them out of, Is uh, out of Egypt and into a nation who chose these people. Habakkuk decries the Israelite nation and he questions God. 
he questions God. And we'll talk about the posture of how Habakkuk does that, maybe some of the differences between how Jonah and Habakkuk do that as we get into the book there. But let's, let's look at these uh, correlations here between Habakkuk and Jonah, kind of to set the stage for uh, what, what might be coming here in this book. The primary focus uh, of the problem with God in both books, so we see Habakkuk, his focus is on the person of God. How is God going to look at sin and do nothing in Habakkuk's mind? In Jonah's mind, the problem is the problem. How dare you be a God who is patient? How dare you be a God who forgives? Jonah complains to God in Jonah 4, 1 through 2. They have a couple initial responses. Habakkuk has this complaint against God, and his initial response is, I'm going to sit at the Lord's feet. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to see what he says. Habakkuk was rightfully upset. Jonah was upset, but Habakkuk was rightfully upset, and he, in his posture, just turns to the feet of God and engages with him in this way. Jonah runs. Jonah has, has a, an issue with what God's doing and the exact character of God that makes Jonah even able to be a prophet of Yahweh. And Jonah runs. He's far away. Does not engage with God. Their final response to God, Habakkuk ends this letter with worship and praise to God. He lists a few woes for those who, who might not submit to the Lord properly but the letter ends just in, in sincere worship from a place of feeling broken, but from a place of trust. Jonah ends with pouting and anger. Jonah 4 9, you can see that there. Jonah pouts and he gets angry. That's how Jonah ends. They have a, a strategy and approach to God. Habakkuk questions, but when Habakkuk questions, he's looking for answers. He's not saying, God, why would you do this? How dare you? I know the answer. Habakkuk questions and says, God, why are you doing this? Please tell me. Jonah just makes statements, accusations toward God, assumptions that lack complete understanding. Despite God's patience with Jonah, that's where Jonah ends up. Finally, they have this specific attitude toward God. Habakkuk fears the Lord and gains wisdom because of that. Habakkuk fears the Lord and he gains wisdom because of this interaction. Jonah refutes God and ends up in foolishness. Yes, I do well to be angry, Jonah says. So those are some of the similarities we have there between Habakkuk and Jonah and some of the, uh, the obvious connections that you might see. Uh, you, you might also want to think of this book in a similar way to the book of Job. Job has these uh, things happen to him and he begins to question God and in Job, God answers just like in Habakkuk, Habakkuk's going to question God, and God's going to answer. Habakkuk is frustrated with sin. He is sick of it. He's had enough. He is a prophet of the Lord whose job is to intercede for the people and to communicate God's message to his people. And he watches how they sin over and over and over again. Habakkuk understands the heart of the Lord against sin and reflects that through his complaint. So point number one in your notes, before we jump into it, it says Habakkuk questions the Lord. 
and the Lord patiently responds to Habakkuk's complaints. Habakkuk questions the Lord, and the Lord patiently responds to Habakkuk's complaints. That's going to cover chapters 1 and 2, as we'll see a couple of these questionings. Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. And cry to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth, perverted. Habakkuk has watched how his people interact. And he knows the covenant. He knows that disobedience results in cursing. He knows that when the people walk away from the Lord, the Lord will give them their due, for he is a just God. Habakkuk is asking, Lord, why are you far off? From what I've seen, the people are in sin. Their their sin is abounding. They just keep doing wickedness. And Lord, you're not doing anything about it, Habakkuk says. Violence and sin, injustice. Habakkuk loves the Lord dearly, and the people don't. The people don't. So Habakkuk comes to the Lord and asks, what's going on? Why aren't you responding to this wickedness? You can hear some of the ignorance as we look back at this in Habakkuk's complaint. Not knowing what God might be doing, not knowing that God's character is always the same, that he is faithful, that he is worthy to be trusted. Look at how God patiently deals with his children, even his children who complain Look among the nations and see, the Lord answers. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swift to devour. They all come for violence. All their faces forward, they gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep up like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose might is their own God. Habakkuk complains, and the Lord says, I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. Doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I have told you. Want to take a guess where we're going in application later? The Lord is at work. Habakkuk thinks that he's silent. He thinks that he's not doing anything. The Lord is at work. Even when he seems silent, he is working. The Chaldeans, Babylon, they're coming. They're going to execute God's justice. They're going to pay this wickedness what it deserves. God will raise them up, and he will use them to accomplish his purposes. The way that God describes them, these people win. They win. 
verses 12 through 2-1, Habakkuk hears this, and still he has questions. So he comes up with a second complaint. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up, the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Habakkuk lays out his complaint, and his complaint is based on the character of God. Lord, I know this is true about you. I know who you who have pure eyes and to simply look at evil and do nothing. You wouldn't idly look at traitors. You wouldn't remain silent when wickedness is winning. Verse 13 there is a summary of God's character in response to Habakkuk's complaint. So what is the Lord going to do? What is the Lord going to do? Chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk says that he's going to take a stand at his watch post. He's going to wait and see. What will the Lord do concerning this complaint? What is the Lord's response? How is God going to work through this situation that seems so hopeless, so impossible? How will he respond? He does. Through the grace of God, he responds to this foolish man's complaint, questioning the Lord, God responds. Graciously. Verse 2 of chapter 2, And the Lord answered me, Write the visions, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. It's like Christmas. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he is never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own people. One of the issues with Habakkuk's complaint is that Habakkuk thinks that he has the right plan. He thinks that he has the right plan. He thinks he knows when it's supposed to work out. And according to him, it's not working out. So Habakkuk looks to the Lord and says, how come you're not doing things in my timing? How come you're not doing things how I think you should? Habakkuk gets a gracious response from God. If it seems slow, 
Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. God's character never changes. If Habakkuk's concerned about God not being righteous or hating iniquity, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. God, who is of everlasting, as Habakkuk had said, is patient, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. However, he is just, and that justice reigns. So Habakkuk hears these complaints, uh, lists these complaints, and God hears them. God responds to these complaints. And God doesn't say to Habakkuk, you know what, in, in about two months' time, here's the exact plan on this day at this time, here's what's going to happen. Habakkuk hears from God, wait. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Habakkuk doesn't actually get the answer he's looking for. God moves forward and begins to pronounce woes. In verses 6 through 8, he says, Woe to him who stores up things that are not his own. Shall not these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him? Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. For how long? And loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise, and those who awake will make you tremble? When you will be spoiled for them, because you have plundered many nations, and the remnant of the people shall plunder you. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities, and all who dwell in them. Woe to you who store up things that are not your own. These woes are pronounced judgment that are coming. Habakkuk says, God, why do you idly look at wrong? He does not. He does not idly look at wrong. It's coming. Verses 9 through 11. Woe to him who gains through evil means. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life, for the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork respond. The third woe is woe to him who gains because of his sin against others. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts. Let me stop there. The Lord gets serious in these minor prophets. He gets serious, and he has this righteous anger through his justice. And he uses this name, the Lord of hosts, meaning this God of heavenly armies. So these people hear this. It is not from the Lord of hosts. Not from the Lord who has angel armies ready. Woe to you. That peoples labor merely for fire, and nations weary themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. For Habakkuk, something like that would be relief would be peace would be hope the Lord's knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth despite people's sin and iniquity arising woe to him who tricks and coerces people through manipulation in 15 through 17 
Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk. In order to gaze at their nakedness, you will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities, and all who dwell in them. People had, had begun to become so wicked and evil that they were manipulating their fellow Israelites, tricking them, coercing them into doing things. Woe to you who trick and coerce people through manipulation. Finally, woe to him who worships idols, verses 18 through 20, specifically 19 here. What profit is an idol when its maker is shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies, for its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols? Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. Woe to those who make idols. And the lunacy of idol-making is put on display here in Habakkuk. You say to a wooden thing, awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can it teach you? It's overlaid with gold and silver. There's no breath at all in it. There's no life. It can't lead you. This is foolishness. This is evil. And yet, still in the 21st century, we turn to idols. Point number uh, two there in your notes is, is going to be focused on chapter three. Habakkuk praises the Lord in the midst of uncertainty, and he trusts him regardless of present circumstances. Habakkuk praises the Lord in the midst of uncertainty, and he trusts him regardless of present circumstances. I love how chapter two ends. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. God is on his throne. It's from that posture that Habakkuk responds here through this prayer. Prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to Shigionoth. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence. And plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Or your indignation against the sea? When you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheaths from your bow. 
calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place, and the light of your arrows as they sped. The flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon those who invade us. Habakkuk responds. After seeing all of this and hearing the character of the Lord, he responds in worship. In that place where he was so frustrated with the iniquity of his people, questioning God, why aren't you doing anything? God said to him, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will come. It will not delay. Look at how Habakkuk's prayer ends. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Habakkuk responds in worship. He recognizes the God he serves. His desire is to trust him fully. He lists these characters, characteristics of God and how God has worked in the past and how he will continue to work. And his, his result posture is a, a posture of waiting. I will wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. God is going to work. And then he ends with this. This reflection of a place of, of uncertainty and, and brokenness. This place of not, not knowing what circumstances might come in the future. How will Habakkuk respond? Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, nor produce of the olive fail. And the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. He reflects not on the circumstances, but on God's character. Because circumstances will not dictate his trust in the Lord. Though things might change for Habakkuk, his hope in the Lord isn't going to. Because it's not about the circumstances. So you have a a blank section there at the end of your notes, as usual here. And I have a couple of them that I'm going to go through, but my prayer with these blank sections that I put there is uh, that the Lord would bring something up for you, uh, for you to apply to your own life, 
I'm going to give you some general things, but maybe there's specifics that you need to work on and respond to the Holy Spirit's working through that. First point is to trust in the Lord's timing. Trust in the Lord's timing. Does the Lord sometimes seem distant to you or far off? Do you spend time wondering why he isn't working in situations the way you think he should be? You know, I I was uh, talking to some people this week about the past year, 2020, and it's become this big meme to just complain about it and be like, 2020 is the worst year of all time, 2020 was terrible, oh, it did this, it did this. And, and I, as I sat and, and thought about it, I, I felt convicted. Paul writes from a jail cell and says, do everything without complaining or grumbling. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And because we didn't get to do the fun things we wanted to do, we complain. Some, some of it was more serious than that, I understand. But the complaining and grumbling from believers is not characteristic of God's children. We rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Just because the timing isn't right, just because it's not what you wanted, just because it's not what you had desired or hoped for or decided was God's will, doesn't mean that God isn't working. The Lord is at work. It is in his timing. Things will come to pass in his timing. And boy, are we an impatient people. Because our timing is what matters. On our time. Lord, you're being too slow with this. Lord, how come this hasn't come to pass in my life yet? How come this person still treats me this way? How come I haven't had a promotion? How come I haven't had uh, better relational health? How come I haven't had whatever it may be? We get so impatient and we place these assumptions on the Lord. Lord, you must not be doing your work. And although we might not explicitly do that, we implicitly do it when we start complaining. Because we think we know what's right. God says to Habakkuk, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Those things that are consistent with God's character will always be consistent with God's character. He doesn't fail. He never has. And it won't start with you. The proper response to this is to trust in the Lord. Reflect on what 2.20 says. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. In fact, the, the, the preacher in Ecclesiastes says this as well. You are God in heaven and I am here on earth, so I'll let my words be few. If God is on his throne and we are on his earth, let's respect that. Allow God to be God and you to be you. And don't complain or grumble. You are not God. Despite your many attempts, despite my many attempts to control things, we're not. The Lord holds all things together. He is the one who executes his plans. 
His ways are higher than our ways. He is always right. He is always on time. Application number two. Is your faith contingent upon anything other than the person of God? Is your faith dependent on circumstances? I will trust God up until he takes this away from me. I will trust God for increase until I don't get the increase, then I'll walk away. You know, we've seen, we've seen time and time again, young people leave the church. And my concern is because we've painted at times an improper picture of who God is. God isn't there to make your life on earth better. In fact, he promises the opposite. But he says, take heart for I have overcome the world. Your eternal home isn't here. It's in heaven. When prayer isn't answered the way you want it to be answered, are you anxious? I know the Lord says to pray, so I'm going to go to him in prayer, and he's going to answer like this. There's not a lot of trust in there. If your prayers aren't answered the way that you want them to be, do you become anxious and worried? Regardless of what happens, can you say that you will rejoice in the Lord? And that has been a hard one. It's been a hard one I've seen firsthand people wrestle with this past year. Regardless of what happens, can you rejoice in the Lord? He is your strength. The Lord is your strength, not your circumstances. Job chapter 1. Let me read this to you. Job begins to lose everything he had. Things just get taken away from him so rapidly and quickly. His, his children, his possessions, and eventually his health. And, and in that moment, Job has, has a few options. He can turn to God and say, God, why did you do this? How dare you? Or he can worship, and that's what he does. Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Job, in that moment of losing everything that he wanted, everything that he had, drops to the ground, and his posture is worship. Blessed be the name of the Lord, despite his circumstances being bleak. Habakkuk does that same thing here in the end of Habakkuk. If nothing works out, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. What is your hope in? In whom or what do you place your trust? If it's not the Lord, you're missing it. God holds all things together. He always has and he always will. This year we'll have disappointments. This year we'll have frustrations. 
this year you will be tempted to grumble and complain. Let's keep the main thing the main thing this year. Let's focus on the Lord above all else. Let's preach his gospel. There are people all over the world who need to hear the good news, who need hope in a dark time. Let's not add to the despair in the world. Let's bring the hope that we have in 2021. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, just the, the opportunities we have here to worship you and to praise you. Lord, I ask that you would draw us closer to you than we've ever been in 2021. That you would help your church to be mobile. That we would be spreading hope and spreading joy this year. That we wouldn't be a people who complain or grumble, but a people who worship and praise. Be with us this week in Jesus' name. Amen.